We know people sometimes get bummed out when we have these off-week episodes. The appendices are full of great content, but people want us to move pretty quick. However, if you're looking for more, if you want uh, kind of some different stuff uh, to listen to while you're waiting for the next main episode, in addition to this appendix, uh, you can go to duckfeed.tv. That is a complete podcast network uh, with shows that we would love for you to check out, like uh, like Watch Out for Fireballs or uh, Abject Suffering. These are shows featuring me and Gary that are about different kinds of video games. We really enjoy them, and we hope that you would too. So that is duckfeed.tv. Full stop. It is a place to go to listen to us talk about stuff. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is Farron's favorite. <laughs> and this week we are reading your responses to uh, uh oh gosh you you, you confused me by saying fair in there uh by the uh, uh it's about your responses to the road of sacrifices woo re-railed that train um, what's that re-railed it yeah <laughs> um but uh a big thanks to Stuart wellington uh from the flop house who was on uh last week we decided to let him go uh for this right here but uh seriously go listen to that show it's flop house podcast is one of my favorites yeah and he he's great Yes. Like he, he was, he was uh, very gracious with his time and, uh, and very sweet and very, very funny. And, uh, I like that guy a lot. Yeah. So super good. Um, <laughs> yes, we have a lot to go, uh, to read. So we're going to kind of get started here. Um, first we have a little bit of follow-up, uh, Sterling says via contact. <clears throat> so I was just listening to the undead settlement podcast and regarding the cage hollows, having a ranged attack, you brought up the idea of full contact juggling and said you wanted to see it. I present combat juggling. <laughs> link. Um, it's a real thing apparently. And it looks pretty serious. Anyways, I, I heard that line and figured there was a 99.9% chance I was the only listener who had ever heard of this before, so I figured I'd share, because who knows, knowing that combat juggling is a real thing might come in handy at a random trivia night down the line. And I'll <laughs> include that uh, that link in the uh, show notes. Please do. This uh, this video, it's like a like a, a greatest hits reel of a, of a contact juggling match. Uh, so it's a team sport. Everybody's juggling, and you are trying to... Uh, stop the other people from juggling so you're you know moving around keeping these things in the air and trying to make it so that your opponents cannot uh catch and throw their stuff it's a the idea of stopping somebody from juggling like i appreciate <laughs> juggling and yeah. I, I think it looks cool if i'm in a room where somebody's juggling i want like i don't want to it's not that i want to stop them from juggling i don't want to be in the room with the guy who's doing it no it makes me anxious yeah <laughs> like, it makes me anxious and like there's something, and this is a stereotype, and not everybody, there are probably tons of people who are awesome who just happen to learn how to juggle, mm-hmm. but the kind of guy who goes to the party and is just like, hey guys, <laughs> you know, just start just tossing bags. Um, <laughs> it's it's like a, a step aside from pulling out your acoustic guitar and performing at the, the party. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's performative in a way that's weird. Yeah. You know, like, hey, in this kitchen at this party, why isn't the attention about me? I know, I'll juggle. (laughs) And then it will become, everyone will look at me and talk to me. Like, it's kind of sad. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Unless you're on a stage, don't juggle it. (laughs) Or if it's just something you do, you know, idly. (laughs) Yeah. I would almost rather somebody like whip out and do like crazy yo-yo tricks. (laughs) I mean, I'm more impressed by yo-yo tricks. I mean, I guess they're both, both impressive. Even then, I guess it's, it's context. Um, I've just been in a lot of house parties where like some asshole is just like, hey, I know it'll spice up this party. Yeah. <laughs> juggle lug lug, you know, and then if, they, they start if, tossing if, bags. If if you're cool otherwise, I think you can juggle. That's fine. Like, oh wow, you just see he just happens to juggle. I don't think juggling will make you cool. No, no. And I don't want if uh if I'm having a conversation and you're next to me and just start juggling, mm-hmm. I think that's transparently depressing. <laughs> that well, you've done that. That you've decided to like you're so, you know, it's like Bart. Like we're like with Lisa, Lisa loudmouth, loudmouth Lisa, stupid Lisa garbage face. Why is anyone paying attention to me? Like that's what you're like when you just start juggling in the middle of a house party. Well, yeah, I mean, also back to the Simpsons, you know, you've got the uh, the three incurable diseases: achy, breaky pelvis, lumber lung, and jugglers despair. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, I guess it is that that makes me sad for them, but at the same time, it's not my problem. <laughs> Get the confidence, stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you juggle uh i would like to see it send me a video of it that'd be pretty cool yeah, um, yeah i still because, think it's impressive I as, a, it. as a skill it, it has to do with yeah exactly it's the it's the it's totally the context yeah i had you a know, uh, forum. 
<laughs> I had a like my middle school science teacher. Uh, his big thing was balancing. He could okay. balance anything on his chin. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like he would just uh, in the middle of something to demonstrate. Well, and then we, we weren't even talking about centers of gravity. He would just pick up a chair and then like give a lecture balancing this chair on his chin. It was very well, they, bizarre. He well, he's trying to keep kids' attention. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like that. That makes sense. He's not like walking up to me while I'm talking to Carla. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just want to hear about her kids. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Did, did they pull through? Did the surgery go okay? This is serious. <laughs> please. <laughs> you know, yes. Listen, you patchouli smelling motherfucker, get out of here. <laughs> I think you're. I think that you're manufacturing a person. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm drawing him from an amalgam of people I've met. So yeah, I just uh, juggling indoors. I can't. I can't uh, uh, capture that. I worry that somebody's gonna knock a vase off of a table. That's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on a stage, it's great. Like watching people do scary juggling on stage is pretty impressive. Oh yeah, or like team juggling where they juggle back and forth. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Circus arts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kyle writes in via contact. Uh, we had a couple people write in about this as well, um, saying, I just listened to the Undead Settlement Bonfire side chat, and I realized Solaire is actually the Estes soup. All the pieces fit. The soup being next to the Warriors of Sunlight Covenant on top of a torture table. Another pot of Estes soup has the Sunlight Talisman next to it, uh, which was used by Solaire. And Siegbird uh, makes it. Uh, makes it. Uh, sorry, and Siegbird makes it, which is why when you turn in the Siegbrow to the birds, you get Solaire's chess piece. Hmm. When you lay it out like that, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a thing. It just the, the chronology doesn't add up. <laughs> well, and it would just be it'd be really bonkers. <laughs> yep. this, is, this is a goofy game. But like if if this ends up if this is true, uh, <laughs> then I don't want anyone to ever like when I'm dismissive of Dark Souls three lore. Mm-hmm. I would need everyone to be dismissive of Dark Souls three lore because <laughs> yeah. in, in a universe in which like. Yeah, they, they turn Solaire into a soup, and people are going to talk about that with, like, reverence. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I that I cannot abide. Yeah. Uh, then it has become, the the lore is officially bad. There's a, uh, the, like, the, the, there's a little bit of precedence for this, though, right? Like, uh, in 2, the Sublime Bone Dust uh, was kind of alluded to be kind of the cremains of uh, a great saint who kindled the fire. And we even suppose that was the remains of Solaire, kind of, like, being used to bolster this. Yeah, there, there seems but, to be some kind of connection between like the life force of individuals and the the, the great flame um, and the bonfires and stuff that all kind of leads into uh, like, you know, Estes in general, which has never been, you know, described really. Well, 100% like the idea of using someone's remains as an item is not the part because, I mean, that's always been a thing. Like homeward bones. Those are those are bones, mm-hmm. you know, but using it as soup mm-hmm. uh, makes it. A touch too silly for me. And, and specifically that one person. Like if it was, you know, just people like, oh, like the champions of sunlight are probably very powerful souls, right? Yeah. You know, they've gone through and, you know, they they, they, they are mighty heroes. So the idea that you would take something, you know, a powerful undead and turn it into something, um, you know, a more a more potent brew than eh, maybe. Yeah, it's still it's but, just but still just, weird that it, just it's not like a that snow per- entry. Not that particular person is the thing. If it was just like I, a warrior of sunlight, not the warrior of sunlight. I still I really feel like if it was just like no, we turned this covenant of people into soups, mm-hmm. it would still be a touch too silly. Oh yeah, because it's soup. You know, like it's just it's like oh, we're just like eating them for for funzos, like they're eating them for sustenance. Yeah, you know, it, it just becomes a little. It's a little bit too. It's a funny theory. Like I, I hate to respond to this guy's joke with just like no 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 here's here's why that sits uncomfortably with me, but it's like the reason why it's being discussed seriously is because it does make a lick of sense mm-hmm. and like boy yeah you you you, know? you can connect the dots yeah and that just if that's the, <laughs> oof, if that's the case I don't know again like I've wasted my life yeah uh, <laughs> like oh man um i mean just but, so so let's just uh like in order to keep this from being like too depressing um mm-hmm. let's just say like oh dark souls 3 has a sense of humor yeah I, <laughs> I i would much rather just think of it as kind of kind of goofy maybe solar just likes that soup oh yeah because i mean then the thing is too without getting into spoilers later there are other lore things that suggest who solar might be um other than soup that he has you know possibly another place yeah in this war world and it comes way later yeah uh, so we don't i don't think he's been turned into soup <laughs> uh but maybe maybe i'm wrong yeah. um moving on to responses this area graham says via contact uh, i enjoyed my time in the central part of the road of sacrifices its open design allows the player to slowly comb over the area for treasures but it's not so big that navigating is difficult 
There's a lot to see in the Road of Sacrifices that make uh, interesting scenarios. Traversing the derelict building, going around back to the ruins where the Black Knight resides, fighting with the two crabs and possibly a phantom in the middle of the lake, dueling with two warriors to gain access to Farron's Keep, and finally facing off against the Crystal Sage. Road of Sacrifices keeps things interesting by presenting an array of things to do uh, with the ability to do them in any order you wish. It was a breath of fresh air for me after struggling with the undead settlement and its difficulty. Nothing groundbreaking, but very welcome. Yeah. It is It is a uh, like a, a reprieve. It's like a pacing thing, yeah. it feels like, in terms of difficulty. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Good um, points. <laughs> Randy writes in via contact saying, ah, yes. The Road of Sacrifices, or as I like to call it, the Garden State Parkway. Never before has the protracted experience of driving along our country's busiest roadway been translated so well to a medieval fantasy setting. Really? <laughs> there hasn't been another medieval fantasy setting that did this? Hey, you huh. know, <laughs> never before, like not as well. Like there have been a lot of pretenders to the throne. Yeah. Uh, Randy, Randy continues. We've got the old wolf tro- troll toll collection uh, agency sicking their farin barons on you, stopping you every 10 feet to collect your goofy unkindled ass. Um, to collect on your goofy unkindled ass, rather, uh, driven by their insatiable need for that humble leaf. We've got rocky cliff faces suddenly giving way to swampy wetlands, lousy with abandoned buildings and festooned with waterlogged, misfigured crucifixes. Above it all, we're privileged with the healthy budget of beautiful views, uh, not the least of which include flaming smokestack vistas of the keep beyond, which stirred in me fond memories of driving past the Bayway refineries of North Jersey. Rounding out this extended metaphor, uh, we come to the halfway fortress rest area. Here you meet fellow weary commuters, Oscar and the Grouch. (laughs) Uh, uh, The latter of which renders you a card carry member of the blue per trooper samurai cyber squad. Um, And the former, uh, well, seems like a pretty solid kid and seems like the type you would maybe see yourself go and have sees on a pie wit uh, somewhere down the line. A welcome respite from the hard commute before finally continuing on towards the Carthus tunnel leading to greater Irithir, uh, leading to the greater Irithil metropolitan area uh, where ashes seeketh employment. A bunch of Jersey lore. <laughs> yep. I don't, uh, <laughs> I, 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 now I know. <laughs> Yep. Uh, don't get cocky. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Randy. I'm going to read two of them because this one is one sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, first up, Gordon uh, says, uh, back in another life, I used to work for a zoo and in a walk through an aviary filled with the world's largest pigeons, or I would walk through, uh, do in, a walk, in, like in, a walk, in, like in, a oh, noun. Yeah. In, in a walk through aviary. Oh, a walk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in a walk through aviary with the world's largest pigeons. Something that I discovered there is that a surprisingly large number of people are terrified of birds. Now I understand why. Now we all understand why. Christ. Well, yeah, because they explode out of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're terrified of, of birds until you are a bird. Hey, hey Gordon. Um, hey, Gordon, reach out to me. I want to hear about these pigeons. Cole does love birds. <laughs> so then Cole, you guys start a private pal where he talks to you about pigeons yeah just tell me about uh, these pigeons man i'm reading a great all. book it's called uh called unseen city it's about like yeah. all of the wildlife in uh, urban areas there's an amazing uh, chapter on pigeons yeah pigeons are great yeah um i never understood the hate for pigeons yeah, yeah. Like, like they're cute mm-hmm. and uh they're just kind of like cruising around yeah they bob their head to the beat of third <laughs> uncle by brian eno <laughs> if, you, uh, if you're listening to that on your headphones <laughs> Yeah. Like it, they, it's it's pretty great yeah no the uh, uh the, the that, that chapter it uh it's its main point is all the things that are bad about pigeons are a result of us moving into their shit yeah like all the disease like, and stuff that only ma- that, that only happens because we're there real monsters man mm-hmm. um joe <laughs> says by contact uh to be frank i am a filthy casual get out uh, how'd you get through the screener you had to click a little captcha that said you weren't um however i was able to take one important thing from dark souls 2 weapon scaling Thus, in Dark Souls 3, I figured it would be of some importance, or the same importance. I believed I was mistaken, as at least early on, as I couldn't find any weapons that even had B scaling, much less A. Just when I was giving up hope with my strength-only build, I instepped Maneater Mildred. I triumphantly kicked her off a cliffside and took her weapon, the Butcher Knife. I'm almost finished with my first playthrough, and I'm still using it. For me, this area was the final chapter for identifying who my player was going to be, what weapons he was going to use, and how he was going to face the challenges ahead. I also believe that this area was the place where I came became fully immersed with the game and I was mastering enough concepts to feel at one with it. Yeah. yeah a lot of love for that butcher knife. Yeah. 
a scaling is so important, <laughs> especially yeah, like good. right it's out nice the gate. Yeah. yeah. And that's the weird thing. Like my plus 10 sharp Uchi Katana not having a scaling mm -hmm. was like such a bummer. Yeah. You know, uh, in, uh, my, with my dex build. I wonder if that was like a concession to the fact that you could get it so early. Like, if, Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like they, they didn't want to, I mean, well, you can get the Uchi really early in dark souls one as well though. No. Oh, yeah. You have to just have to kill the undead merchant. Yeah. So I, I don't know what it, what it was. I mean, scaling in general is subdued until a little bit later in the game. Yeah. Uh, in the, in this game. Yeah. So uh, I think it's just kind of part of the general general power curve. Yeah, I think it's, it was smart of them not to uh, not to include something like the club in Dark Souls Two, which was just like, oh well, here's just a uh, degenerate strategy because this has a scaling on strength. Yeah. So I'm just gonna walk around with a stick. Yeah. 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 Do and and also, I mean, power dancing clubs in Dark Souls Two is is super fun. Is <laughs> really great. Like that's a great great weapon. I I mean we haven't talked about it that much, and I don't want to get into a whole side thing, but I'm really bummed that they got rid of power dancing. Yeah. Because uh, I think power dancing opened up a lot of possibilities. Mm -hmm. It was really fun. Yeah. That's a nice variety. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see here. Oh, um, actually, no, I think the, well, we don't, we don't have to get into a whole big thing. I like the idea that, uh, by having the dual weapons on one slot, you don't have to, uh, have a lot of, uh, carry capacity to use. Oh them. yeah. Yeah. I just uh, wish there were more of them then. Like yeah. they're, they're almost entirely, uh, dex weapons with an exception of these like maces you find later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're almost entirely just like dex dagger, like dex weapons. Yeah. I mean, they they kind of fill the role of uh twin blades. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Which are, which are fine. Like twin mm -hmm. blades are, are fine and cool but uh i would i like the idea of being able to strength dual wield too if i'm gonna be like a big heavy smash yulon like let me go all out you know <laughs> you're pretty fond of the uh, uh yulon suffix Yulon's today. My, my favorite suffix re recently <laughs> yeah. smash are what we call uh me and brayton and will have all dubbed the uh the knights that are in the cathedral of the deep mm. um and then it just kind of become vocabulary around here so when like somebody's <laughs> playing and stuff we're just talking about like did you get past the smash elons? It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I got past the first two smash elons, but the yeah. third smash elon got me. Yeah, but the problem is beyond the smash elons are the stab elons. Well, the slice, yeah, slice elons or slash elons. <laughs> slash elons. Yeah. I prefer slash elons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Matthew writes in, thinking on the road of sacrifices, I learned two very important things here. The first was a rude awakening crash course in the mechanics of the game's visceral attack system. I never played Bloodborne, and though I listened to the previous season, I didn't realize just how visceral attacks worked. Um, so when that lady with that giant rusted butcher blade broke my stamina for the first time, I had some very unkind words for the game. The second major thing I learned uh, was to have a way to pull enemies individually. I picked up a bow and fell in love instantly. So many troublesome encounters were trivialized by using the bow. Some people might uh, claim that that's cheating, but fuck them. Deciding to use a bow was the single best decision I made in, my, in that first playthrough. Uh, I also want to make uh, a special mention of the single best hidden bonfire in the game. I would never have found it without a friend telling me uh, where it was. To further showcase my shame, I was staring right at the sucker when they told me. I guess going to the right uh, when you go through that archway is not something that I thought to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th like this is this is uh, kind of like right at the point in the game where where you can uh, solidify your build. You're you're yeah. like not too not too far embarked. On, well, and uh, you get that you get that ember, mm -hmm. so you can start uh, infusing. Yeah, or that coal rather. So yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, good. Um, Kale or Kale? I'm uh, not sure exactly how to pronounce it. It's spelled like the leafy green. Uh, it says via contact. The Road of Sacrifices was the first area that made me realize that the world layout was much different than any previous Souls game that I had played. After getting about halfway through the game and wondering why I haven't found much many upgrade items, I gave in and googled where the location of the Farron Cole was, since I was playing a Dex character. I realized then that the game was doing uh, what the game was doing with level design, opting for fewer but more expansive areas. I kicked myself for being a terrible Souls player and made sure to explore everything later in my playthrough. Because uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it looks like he missed the uh, the Ember. Yeah. Uh, there or the Cole. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, easy enough to do. Yeah, especially with uh, that big gate kind of drawing you in in the center, that can that can feel like a you know kind of a intractable uh, kind of goal has its own gravity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke writes in saying, 
the Road of Sacrifices was the place where Dark Souls 3 started to feel like its own game for me. Uh, a lot of things first introduced here become big themes for the game. This is where all of the very Christian imagery starts with angel-like enemies, the crucifixes being born on people's backs, uh, all leading to a cathedral area. We also get the first hints of the painted world being important or having been opened. Uh, the angel things look like inverted servants of Velka and their staffs reference uh, the painted world directly. Finally, this is the first area where we saw the most lore significant and difficult recurring enemy. Forget the Black Knights. Forget the Pursuer. Now is the time of crabs. The Crystal Sage was easy, particularly after I completely missed uh, the little hole in the wall in those ruins. Uh, fought my way all the way through uh, to Irithyll and had to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Now is the time of crabs, Gary. Now is the time of crabs. <laughs> Uh, three areas with crabs. It's the dawning of the age of cancer. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, thank you, Luke. And, uh, all all true. <laughs> uh, Josh says, my contact. Uh, on my first trip through Dark Souls 3, I totally missed the Crystal Sage's office complex. Instead of fighting an easy-ish easy -ish boss and heading to the area that was appropriate for my level, I went to the other much more difficult area, i.e. the Poisonous Swamp. It kind of ruined my first Dark Souls 3 experience because I went through this whole super hard stretch of the game only, be, only to be turned back because I didn't have the key from the other branch of the path, leading me to the wiki, which in turn kind of spoiled a lot of the fun of the game. Because as a gamer, uh, and that's his emphasis, not mine, um, <laughs> nothing could possibly ever be my fault. I blame the super samey kind of blah design of the Road of Sacrifices, and not the fact that I didn't thoroughly explore the area. Did you know there's another bonfire down by the pond? I didn't until my third or fourth playthrough of the game. I know the PS4 visual clutter problem has been lamented since Lords of the Fallen, uh, but I really am frustrated by this trend. To end on a positive note, I love the Crystal Sage's whole design, and I love running around with a big floppy hat. Makes me feel like a fancy lady at a tennis tournament. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to keep the sun out of your eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, we didn't, I mean, I don't know exactly when I was going to slot it in. Um, probably when we did Farron's Keep. I don't like that that just ends to a, leads to a dead end either. No. Like this, this, Dark Souls 3 has kind of shitty world design. Like not level <laughs> design, the world design is bad. I yeah. Think. This like weird, just little, there's nothing to indicate that you have to, you know, because both of them are lords mm -hmm. of Cinder. So there's nothing like it, from the Road of Sacrifices, you know, you need to fight Eldric and you need to fight the Watchdogs mm -hmm. or the, the uh, Abyss Watchers. And there are two areas that lead to those things. So there's nothing to indicate that you have to do one of them first mm -hmm. in order to. So it just feels kind of cheap. You know, like you can teleport through bonfires, so it, it doesn't it doesn't even being that bad of an idea mm -hmm. or that big of a deal, rather. But it feels bad to me. Yeah. Even though you didn't waste time, it still feels like you wasted time. Yeah. By, by, you wasted, it's not way. efficient. Like you're forced to go through and it's it's not it's not signaled to you in any way. Yeah. Like the weird, like kind of just like branch uh, structure of this world yeah. bums me out in this instance. The closest thing that I can think of is like if through some miracle you ended up fighting your way through the catacombs in Dark Souls 1 mm -hmm. you know got, got past Pinwheel and then just got to that orange wall uh, with no uh, with no real reason or understanding of why that happened like oh well I guess this is the wrong way like the, like that is the only thing that I could think of that would be comparable to it. Yeah even even though the catacombs aren't really balanced for you to do that right from the start, start right. you know like these are both relatively, I mean, one of them, uh, it seems like the, the opinion on which one is easier is really split because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the response said that Farron's Keep is, is harder. Um, so they're both like, you're not going to run into a meat wall, mm -hmm. you know, where it's like obvious that you sh you're going the wrong way. Um, it's just inelegant, mm -hmm. you know, so. Yeah, it feels like there could have been a better a better solution, you know, place one one after the other or something like that. Well, yeah. if you're going to make it a line, just make it a line. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't necessarily want that to be the case. I like nonlinearity, but mm -hmm. commit to it a little <laughs> bit harder than this. Or like, yeah. even again, just like the way that Dark Souls One does it, or even the way that, uh, you know, uh, Bloodborne does it. Where if you're going to have an aborted kind of side path, put something as a bonus there. Yeah. Like when you go and explore Old Yarnum in Bloodborne, you get the chalice. Right. You know, you don't get the key you need to actually go through. You know, or you go down Hemic Carnal Carnal Lane. Um, and you get, uh, you know, get the, the tool that lets you wear rings. You don't yeah. get the next step in the, the game. Yeah. Put optional things at the end of, uh, of tributaries. Yes. So anyway. Yep. Um, that was that you or me? That was, uh, I believe me. that was you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause so, I did the, as a gamer thing, which I was not making fun of him. He was making nope. a joke himself. He, he put some tildes around as a gamer. Yes. 
Um, Sean writes in via contact saying, uh, this area was a real crossroads for me, and not just because it is where the road of sacrifices passes through the crucifixion woods. That is a clever pun. Um, uh, the Undead Settlement warmed me up to the game, uh, but this area is where I really began to love the adventure of it. I discovered the Corvians and their connection to Priscilla, the Crystal Sages and their connection to Logan, a Black Knight uh, and a Black Knight standing sentry. In Dark Souls 1, the player was an outsider looking in, with characters like Laurentius and Griggs marveling at the legends and history of the legendary land of Lordran. In Dark Souls 3, I traveled Lothric as one of these characters instead, as I knew the history uh, and tales of these fabled characters and groups, and now I could learn of their legacy. The heretical storytellers that worship Priscilla, the Logan fan club led by the Crystal Sages, etc. I love the dual encounters that blocked the path forward. Uh, your way forward is challenged by a knight from a fallen order, uh, exile watchdog knights protecting it from fair and keep, and one of the fanatical worshippers of Logan's teachings, the Crystal Sage. All of this made me feel like a knight from an Arthurian legend on a quest, besieged along the way by ancient cults and legendary warriors. These encounters played out against the backdrop of an, of an autumnal wood uh, that gave an atmosphere of melancholy beauty to the experience. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, if, if I didn't really realize how how thick those connections become in this point. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and it just, it's just going to depend on how you feel about it. Like it's either going to make you feel like you're walking through your favorite book mm-hmm. or like you're visiting a planet Hollywood, <laughs> um, you know, and, and this is where the game started feeling like visiting a planet Hollywood to yeah. me. Yeah. It's a, uh, again, ransom note kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, I know all these, like quit fluffing me. Get off of my crotch. <laughs> you, you snuffling my, monster. I'm off my dick for like a second. Now, yeah. Uh, like honestly, like refractory periods. From, <laughs> like you know if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna make me lorgasm like i need to <laughs> need to have like a little break between lorgasms like <laughs> uh but um, th- this is this is probably like one of the one of the best descriptions or you know d- defenses if you want to use that word um of of that right there like I, you know like this context of like oh now i'm the person with the knowledge kind of coming through this um i like that 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 makes a sense to me even if i don't feel exactly the same way that's one of the better ways i've seen it put yeah it, it it's it's logically sound like it, I think it, I agree that it is an interpretation. I never felt like I was like Griggs or Laurentius moving through here because I didn't really think of those guys in in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, they just live in that world, and we run into people who just live in that world mm-hmm. now too. It's just it's the same world. Yeah. So like the idea being that when you went through it before, they were you didn't know it. Like essentially, it's it's the feeling that's being described is going through something you already know. Mm-hmm. You know, so like you're in the know. Like you are, you're moving through a book you've already read, you know, and that I can understand there being kind of pleasures to that. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, um, it's not like inherently different. Like the way that things are described in Dark Souls one is not different than here. It's just, it's, they're describing things you already know about, mm-hmm. you know? So it, yeah. I don't think it's as big a difference in how the NPCs live in the world uh, or how they're, they kind of talk about things. It's just, again, just like referring to stuff you already know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, familiarity breeds content. Yeah. Yep. Content. Content. <laughs> yeah. Or, or contentment. Familiarity <laughs> breeds contentment. Yeah. Uh, you complacent sheep. Well, I, I don't mean that. I'm <laughs> no, just saying I'm that just... like, it is, uh, like, I think that's what you're picking up on though, is just like, oh, I've heard of that. Like, I mean, and it's, there's two different ways that doesn't, it's the positive way of that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a legend I've heard and I get to walk around it is the same thing that's happening mechanically as this game is showing me things that I already know because they know I'll like it. Yeah. It's just what you, what you take from it. Mm -hmm. The same thing is happening. Yeah. You know, it's not, I don't think it is actually a different way of like, I don't think it's different in the world. I think it is different in the player. Yep. If that makes sense. Player knowledge versus what's uh... like, yeah. Player, player knowledge versus like what's actually in the text. Mm -hmm. You know, it is, it is, uh, it can be fun to read a sequel. (laughs) <laughs> you know because you know where all the characters are and you get to see mm-hmm. where they've ended up yeah you know yeah it's uh, uh i mean it, it is it is counting on you carrying something into this um and kind of the the the, the dark back half of that or maybe the un- unintended consequences is like oh this is just really like weighted down by yeah, it, by, by what is it, you know kind of expecting or what it's keeping on you know and i and i've you know the comparison super apt and i'm not the first person to make it and i won't be the last but it really comes down to like you know, how much do you like the stuff in a force awakens? Mm-hmm. That is, that is just a, uh, you know, Hey, this is definitely following up on all the characters that you love, 
for some reason, the world still revolves around them. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, like there have there have been so many years, but like every single person who is a principal character there still has a job and a place of importance. Everyone is spoken of as this legend. Like, hey, this character Luke Skywalker, who I initially got to know, now he's this cool legend, and I feel like I'm like in the know and in the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas that stuff drove me fucking bonkers because I would much rather have a continuation of a story than something that spends any really any time retreading it. Yeah, you know. Um, and I, I like the force awakens way less than I like dark souls three. <laughs> um, I, I really kind of loathe the force awakens, hmm. uh, but it's the same kind of, uh, the same kind of thing. It feels like yeah. to me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't even have uh, expected you to see that movie actually. I, I went and saw it uh, on a date. Um, hmm. and it was at a cheap theater and it was just kind of like, well, let's just see what the, the fuss is about hmm. here. And it's like, it's a JJ Abrams movie. There are explosions and space <laughs> sound effects. Like it's kind of fun in that respect, but every single time the character just like, kind of like knowingly mentioned something that from the first one or, or indirectly quoted a line, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to leave the theater because mm. uh, it took me out of it. Mm. Like it felt bad. I don't want to be serviced. Never service me. <laughs> like I don't, I'm not. And, and the reason why that feels like, sorry, the reason why that feels bad and the reason why I've been such a monster about it in Dark Souls 3 is that Dark Souls for me is at least partially defined by indifference to the player. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the fact that Dark Souls doesn't give a shit about me. Yeah. And now all of a sudden that it does mm-hmm. uh, makes it feel more of a betrayal. Yeah. Like that that kind of uh, like neut- neutral attitude towards the player and indifference is a defining factor of these games for me. Yeah. You know? Um, anywho, <laughs> uh, buckle up. Because I mean, like that, that'll that's only gets worse. <laughs> um, you know, there are a couple of places where I think it really does work and we'll, we'll talk about it. But like, yeah. and again... If, if you just don't feel that way, that's great too. Like if that's what you're into mm-hmm. from it, like that's, I have no problem with that. I don't yeah. think that you were a plebe or a sheeple or anything like that. Hashtag Gary uh-huh. hates Dark Souls 3. I'm just fine. <laughs> like, you know, there, hashtag, there are lots of things I hate about Dark Souls 3. <laughs> tons, tons of things I absolutely love. Um, but I don't think anybody's wrong for thinking that. It's just like, for me, when I come to this series that is very important to me, that like uh, is vocationally important to me. Like it's, I'm not trying to say that as like a, argument from authority but like I, I don't think you could argue that i'm not i don't have a genuine love of these things right mm-hmm. like i've dedicated so many hundreds of hours like hundreds and hundreds of hours to this yeah um it's very important to me my feelings are genuine yeah uh, about this that's not what i want yeah from uh from this thing that's very important to me mm-hmm. so yeah i mean like a lot of it just feels like a like a missed opportunity to me i mean just the, like that's the thing that makes me kind of like sad about it it's kind of like whatever like it 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 is kind of just a like a quick little ladder down to the feel-good portion of it. like oh yeah like you know rec- recognition familiarity it, it builds up the shorthand and stuff like that like that's the kind of the kindest thing i could say about it it just like to me feels like uh you know any any place where they had you know they they have something that is just like explicitly like hey remember this all it does is make me think of like yeah i love that when it was new yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. just like if if there was something else that could have made me feel that same way, you know, or in a you know a similar way, or just if it was a more indirect kind of evocation of it, like I don't know, like I feel like Dark Souls Two did did that a lot better, handled the handled the echoes um, in a in a kind of like a much more tactful way, um, you know, and just uh, like looking at this, like that direct. Like the, the, the directness of it to me feels like it lacks a little bit of tact, almost to the point of being like eh, profane's the wrong word, uh, crass, um, any yeah. of those kind of things. It just feels it feels a little bit like like a like mercenary to me in a in a way that's kind of like I just I don't know. <laughs> like, Hashtag Cole hates Dark Souls. <laughs> well, just, um, uh, no, I do. I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more ambivalent about it than 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 I than I think you are. At least I'm I'm hedging until like we can talk through it because like this is you know doing the show is a, is is a big part of the way that I process this stuff now. Me too. Right. You know. Yeah. So like I don't want to like immediately jump onto it. I want to react as the things kind of come out in the discussion you know as we mm-hmm. build a web you know through kind of like re-experiencing the game through conversation like i want to kind of arrive arrive at that you know just kind of organically through this as opposed to kind of like taking too firm of a stance right now but like what i just said is is genuinely how i feel i just i just kind of wish there was there was something new in the place of the old stuff it, the opportunity cost is a real thing mm-hmm. you know like the every one of these all of the energy and time that is spent on the stuff that we're talking about could have been something new mm-hmm. in the world um and it just kind of dip, like uh what it reminds me of like that crassness and just artificial mm-hmm. feeling to it like the thing the comparison i made a bunch of times and i think is really apt 
is it's the way in Star Trek The Next Generation how people constantly refer to the, the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's 24, it's 2400. No, uh, no art, nothing has happened since then. People are constantly just referencing Miles Davis and Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's absurd. Yeah. And it's fine for Star Trek because that's a goofy show, you know. <laughs> but for this, where like they've done so well with the feeling of making time pass before uh, that it just, uh, you know, it, to see them not indulge in that or not display their mastery of that mm-hmm. feels like it feels like, again, like you said, a missed opportunity. Yeah. And if the idea is, you know, once we start getting into kind of these convergy wordiness and the idea that like, hey, time is literally, you know, places are kind of coming from different times here. Why are they all from the same time? <laughs> you know, like it just like it. The, the answer to that is because we like it and it, we know it's, it. it's it's for a meta reason as opposed to something that actually yes. like serves. It's narratively unsound. Yeah, it is. It is sound from a uh like there's there's a narrative explanation for why uh, time is coming unstuck. There's not a narrative explanation for why every single reference that is there is from one period of time. Yeah. Even if you want to, you know, if it's like, oh, Dark Souls Two happens on the other side of the world, it's like, well, spaces are converging. That doesn't really <laughs> hold as a counter argument. But even if you want to make that argument that that's why Dark Souls Two isn't included, why aren't there like so many cycles are supposed to have passed? Yeah. Like everything that is suggested between Dark Souls One and Two happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is is this happens after Dark Souls 2. So all of those millennia have happened. They're just ignored because it's like Star Trek the Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And it just it feels bad. Yeah. You know, it it feel it takes me out of it. Like we, oh, we like what what happened to culture? We, what we, happened to these cycles? We can travel to any place or time in the history of the universe, but it'll probably be London during the Blitz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like there's just like these these um, these moments. And I refuse the game does such a good idea when it does explore these other like kind of epochs of giving them a sense of identity and importance. Mm -hmm. Like I refuse to believe that like, Oh, it's literally just that one specific cycle with Gwyn is being, is the only one of import. Yeah. You know, if time is collapsing. (laughs) Um, And also why does time uh, take a look at import? Like no, it just, it doesn't make sense within the game world. Yeah. Um, And it just, it, all of these kind of factors just lead up to making it feel uh, very cheap to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, uh, again, I don't project that. I don't think you're wrong if it makes you feel like you're exploring your favorite book. Yeah. Like that's a cool feeling and I can see the appeal of that feeling. It's not what I look for from these games. Yeah. Um, um, I almost regret bringing up Dark Souls 2 there because I know it's, you know, not in fashion to to, yeah. to, to to like that and it hasn't been since, you know, three months after the game came out. Like, you know, just like that kind of plays into like, it's almost like <laughs> me saying that was a parody of ourselves a little bit and if that bothers you i guess we're just gonna have to be okay with that but i genuinely do think that i'm not just like white knighting or being a contrarian or yeah you know digging well, into my digging into my initial stance you know Dark Souls too like out of the box has a lot of lore problems because they kind of refuse to define anything mm-hmm. about those past ages but the thing it did really right that is pertinent um that you're referring to that specifically this game doesn't do so like you know if you break it down to a more granular level the thing that dark souls did really well was make it feel like eight like like the very first episode where you're like it's a palimpsest or uh, i don't know if i'm pronouncing pa- that pa- word right palimpsest or a pet- yeah, pet- palimpsest like it is history written upon history written upon history to where these kind of layers are are scrambled like mm-hmm. people are misremembering things time has passed uh you know and there's there's none of that sense here yeah it is just you can draw a direct line from you know uh, uh the uh what is dark root to Farron's keep like, mm-hmm. oh, it got corrupted. And uh, <laughs> now there are people there watching out for the abyss. Yeah. And like literally just so much so that creatures that were still there exist. And like maybe they got teleported through time and not as much time has passed. Yeah. But there's not that sense of like ages having passed and there just being a lot of history and the confusion that comes with that. I don't think Dark Souls 2 was 100% successful at defining any of that history. Mm-hmm. But you do get the sense of confusion that like a long time has passed. Yeah. Um, and that is a way more appealing to, idea to me is that, oh, these things that were very important to me as the player mm-hmm. are no longer important because history swallowed it. Yeah. Like, I want to be disregarded by by these narratives because Dark Souls is about elemental forces. It's not about me. Right. You know, somewhere in there, there's, I'm not going to write it, but somewhere there in there, there's like an essay about player importance and like kind of player aggrandizement in this current generation of games between like Dark Souls 3 and Metal Gear 5 and Dragon Age Inquisition. And this idea that the player always has to be this kind of like, the narratives have to have this meta nod to the player that 
just thinks the player is the coolest fucking thing in the world, mm -hmm. you know? And there, there's something there. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to like put it all together, but that does feel like a trend I'm seeing that yeah. I, that doesn't speak to me. Yeah. Like I, I don't want that. I mean, it, it, it plays into video games as empowerment fantasies, you know, yes. like it, uh, you know, just to, to totally. And I will always be a sucker for a game where the person that you're playing as is, you know, a marginal figure at best. I think that's one of the best things that, uh, you know, that kind of works in like something like Final Fantasy 12, where even your ragtag group of adventurers is ultimately, you know, minuscule on the grand scheme of things up until the very end when like gods and shit, you know, and get, you're, get you're involved. not the main character of that game. Yeah. yeah. You know, like somebody else has the main, like, I just, I don't want, I don't, I just don't need it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't want to sound like braggy about it, but no, it's I mean, just like, like, it's, it's, it's a version of being coddled, right? Like it's yeah. a little bit, you know, it, it does again, like, I, I hate to like that, that all of these kind of like center on the dick, but it's like, it's kind of like, just like climb up off my dick for like a second. I'm more interested in, you know, the world, the mood, the tone, the setting, the events as opposed, you know, as opposed to like, you know, being told how important I am. I kind of want to determine that on my own by the things totally. that I do. You know, like it's it's like a hard sell. It's like a pushy salesman. Yeah, you um, know, it, it's like a game GameStop salesman. <laughs> uh, like, look, look at something. So this is this is topical because of uh, because of following New Vegas. Look at something like that, where you know, even still, you know, the the, the courier is basically a superhuman force. <laughs> you know, just of like you know something that is moving history along. Um, mm -hmm. however, like you can wander into, you know, Caesar's camp and kill him and it doesn't really affect anything because like you do have that immovable force, unstoppable object kind of thing, right. Yeah. Kind of going on. Like you're still a, a, a bit player in, in, in something and like, oh, it's, it, it, it is a little bit of a chosen one kind of thing, but it doesn't, you know, build it up aside from the reputation of the things that you do, you know, it is. Yeah. There, there are things bigger than you. Yeah in in the world and there are things and that's that's something that's very appealing to me yeah um you know because that's how the real world works like and it's not <laughs> like things have to be realistic we're talking about a game with like you know dragons and shit mm -hmm. but i think that the the humanity of it needs to be realistic yeah you know like the the kind of part of it and that's what i'm clanging up against yeah is it just doesn't read like it reads like a, a penny dreadful <laughs> you know it's like it's just, it's like feels like bad literature in the fact that like i'm so cool and everything i love is all my old friends are back. Would you say your main character is a Mary Sue? Is this fan fiction? Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit. <laughs> like it, like Dark Souls one fan fiction. I haven't read that yet in a review, but I'm I'll be surprised if I don't, <laughs> or if it's not out there that somebody yeah. hasn't called this Dark Souls one fan fiction. It feels like a familiar idea at the very least. I don't yeah. know if I'm if if, I, if I'm hitting that. Uh, not to belabor this, but also think about the way that uh, Dark Souls two handled that, which is you arrive at this area anonymous, no memories of where you're at, and then you're kind of like manipulated into becoming the next king. Possibly yeah. you decide to take that ending. Like yes, you are the chosen monarch you know just like you're the chosen undead but like in one and two it's very much like yeah like you are being manipulated you're a pawn yeah yeah, yeah. Where, whereas in one this... you're, yeah if you if you don't even if you don't want to invoke two because nobody likes it invoke one <laughs> like in one you are uh 100 canonically being manipulated yeah by by these two serpents like there are forces you know beyond whereas that doesn't feel like i don't get a sense of that yeah like there might be yeah. shades of it but they don't commit to it enough in three yeah yeah, it's just it's, uh, player empowerment is not what I want from these games. Yeah. Um, and mechanically and narratively. Like yeah. mechanically, it does everything it, you know, does to still, it, you know, kind of disempower you and make you earn everything, which is still great because mm -hmm. it still plays wonderfully and is ludically wonderful. Mm -hmm. But uh, that kind of set racing piece is missing for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a long, long tangent. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I feel like, you know, as we get through and kind of encounter these, like we're going to get these little flare ups. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and it's just, and if it bothers you to listen to it, uh, examine why it's bothering you to listen to it. Because I don't mm -hmm. think that we're being, again, we're not putting on airs. Like I don't think our, if, if there's a gaming credentials don't exist, but you can believe that we are invested in this thing and mm -hmm. that we love the series, Yeah, you know, just like you love evidence it, by our work. Yeah. Exactly. Our, our love of it is exactly as important and valid as your love of it. And our feelings that we had coming away from it are exactly as valid, as important as yours. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes for, for anybody who writes in who does who disagrees with us too. Yeah. I'm not saying you're, I, again, I'm not saying you're a sheeple or anything like that. It's <laughs> just, you're coming away from the same thing that I am. And I think you're looking for something different. So you found it. Yeah. Like you, your, your values are just different. And that makes it sound like I'm attacking you like a Fox news person. And I'm not, it's just, <laughs> you, you value different things from your fiction yep. than I do, which is a okay. Yeah. Um, finally, uh, <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, Dakota. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> Dakota says, well, I'm really glad. You've been, you've been you very patient, it's... Dakota. Thank you for, yeah, th- for thank way you, to step up to the microphone, please. We'll, we'll go ahead and go a little bit over. Um, we'll, we'll close up late. It's okay. Um, Dakota says, via contact. Um, I want to touch on the lore implications of the connection between Darkroot Basin and Ulysseal and the Road of Sacrifices and the Swear and Swamp. I failed the to mention sw- the swear and swamp is great. The swear and swamp. Fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck the swamp. Um, <laughs> uh, I failed to mention in my previous correspondence, but there's also a huge body of water to the right uh, as you look out from the gateway at the end of the high wall. This body of water appears to touch the swamp to some degree. However, I'm not sure what the water means in this new entry in the series. The Cathedral of the Deep seems to worship its depths in particular, which makes me think uh, that it may have something to do with the abyss when paired with its proximity to where Elysial may have been located. In Dark Souls, though, water was used to suppress the effects of the Abyss in New Londo. It makes me wonder if we'll be getting more information about these areas of the game, or at least some of the related themes in the future DLC packs. Yeah. Um, which I think we will. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I yeah. feel like the, you know, we, we, we've alluded to the idea of the deep being something that was kind of like initially important and then kind of brushed aside as this new kind of important elemental force. Um, yes, possibly. And if it is related to Londor specifically, I'm, I feel like that, that has been built up so much that it would be bizarre if we didn't see if more If we don't that. find out more about the Sable Church of Londor, mm-hmm. uh, in the DLC, I don't know what, <laughs> I, I just don't, cause that's, it, God, I, like, I'm not trying to just find like literally a clearinghouse for every single Dark Souls rant. Um, I, so I'll <laughs> say in one sentence, like one of the endings without that context, without that additional context, mm-hmm. one of those endings, uh, doesn't hit as hard as I think that the game wants it to for me yeah. because of lack of information about that particular organization. Mm-hmm. Like making that choice that you make uh, is lacks meaning because I don't have the context. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that those, those are good observations. I think you're, you're 100%, uh, 100 with Farron, uh definitely used to be dark root. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, road of sacrifices used to be either another part of dark root or just near dark root. Yeah, for sure. Darker adjacent. Yeah, I'm I'm curious. I want to go. I, I I'm not sure what view they're alluding to with that body of water. Maybe I just I I, I, I don't know. Glanced either. over it. I kind of want to go back. I'm curious which gate they're speaking of, so I can go yeah. find it. But yeah. I, I may there's just a, boot it back. There's a couple things I need around. to go. Like I read online recently where I have to go actually go in the game yeah. and and take a look at something. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, yeah. Well, there's uh, the last person. There's somebody on our Facebook was like, "Oh man, this uh this last appendix was so short. Um, <laughs> this one's long and has content." Yeah. <laughs> uh, in it. Um, if you have anything to say about the Cathedral of the Deep, uh, go ahead and hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yeah. Um, you know all the things you can do. You can uh, go to duckfeed.tv slash, uh, damn it, I always do that. I always get it mixed up. Yeah. You go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv um, and support us there. We're really grateful for all the support we get. Um, and that helps us do things like new shows. You know, we recently launched Monster in My Podcast. Uh, we're on our way towards having a, a new show about the X-Men animated series hosted by Gary and uh, Jeremy. Um, mm-hmm. Jeremy, a uh, frequent guest on the show. Um, also and, a swamp person <laughs> and not a cool guy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So just, uh, like that is the way that we're able to dedicate the time to this. And uh, yes. it's awesome. The support that we get. We really, really, really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, something you can, uh, you can also do, um, which we've, uh, we've mentioned a bunch, but it's super important is tell your friends about it. Um, let people know that you like the show. Uh, people have been really great about that. Yeah. Uh, but please continue to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to talk to us, uh, directly other than through the contact form, if you want to have a two way conversation, our Facebook page is a great place for that. Facebook.com forward slash bonfire side chat or a Slack channel, which you can get to from uh, donating to our Patreon. Yeah. And, uh, we can have these conversations in real time. Yeah. Uh, I can't, you know, promise any, uh, we try to read everything we get and we try to respond, uh, to everything that people say. Um, I can't promise a certain amount of timeliness mm-hmm. to that. Uh, but we, we definitely like interacting with people and, uh, I love talking about dark souls, even if I disagree with them. Right, people about it. So, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So I think we've got some uh, deleted scenes here. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, thanks again to Stuart. And yes. uh, until next time, Mumbasa. Mm-hmm. Without your help, we would have cursed this onerous duty long ago. Mm-hmm. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. You guys are West Coast. Uh, I am. Cole. Cole is uh, e- middle Middle East uh, <laughs> yep. of America. Yep. The no, I'm in. Uh, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's where I'm at. 
No, that's cool. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, originally. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, a, sh- a short hop away. Yep. Are you uh, are you a regular at the Montgomery Inn? <laughs> uh, d- define regular. Maybe a couple times a year. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, so you're not you're not one of those guy those like old guys with a polo tucked into their like high pants. <laughs> no. That's there every day. If you are, you have to tell them. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's a trapment. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let me quickly untuck this polo. No, no, it's uh, it's it's a place I go with family when they're in town. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, good stuff. Yeah, what what is it for us? It's, West Coast, I mean, was it free range? What what? I don't understand. What, what what's the, what's the Montgomery Inn? Is what yeah. you're asking? It's a uh, it's like a classic old rib house. Ooh. So yeah. it's like it's the sort of place where like like football like sports coaches would go to hang out mm-hmm. and like i don't know discuss ribs <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah all the yeah. finer points <laughs> but no it's it's that's fine it's it's a good ri- if you like ribs if you like old rib houses yeah i, I, I don't dislike i like ribs so i imagine <laughs> i like a rib house sure yeah um, old ribs are the best get the, yeah. the, the the cartilage can render uh-huh Age <laughs> <Ugh>. meat <laughs> um it slides off the bone and into mm. your mouth yeah, yep. and slides through your body. Don't, mm-hmm. You don't even don't even need a don't even a knife. Don't need a fork or a spoon. Don't even need fingers. You just inhale it. Yep, That's spores, spore ribs, <laughs> rib spores. <laughs> Gross. Uh, you promised to tell me what section did you think was too difficult as oh, far as yeah. bonfire placement? Um, Irithyll Dungeon. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, that. That's a that's a really fun section of the game, though. I think that's a really painfully shittily difficult section of the game. <laughs> it, I mean, it's it, I like that area a lot. Um, yeah, it's a reference to a Demon Souls area because everything oh, okay. is. But the uh, it is so brutal, though. Like moving through that first section and then uh, going all the way down, you know, past the giant, which is um, a real kind of crapshoot if you can get uh-huh. past the giant, unless you want to cheese them with arrows. And then get down to that sewer part, and uh, the shortcut there is to the left. But if you imagine missing it, even if you find it, you're still going through that first part with the uh, the uh, branding nuns and yep. uh, and the giant, which is hard enough. But if you don't have that, um, the way forward is past like those seven nuns walking in a circle mm-hmm. around that thing. It is so hard, like if you to get through there without. And again, I know there's a shortcut there now, but it's not very telegraphed. Like if there's no lighting or anything to kind of guide you to it. Yeah, uh, so I don't feel that bad. It's just it's brutal. Like I thought that was the time where I was like, I- I'm out of Estes and I have to still kill seven or eight of these these ladies. Yeah. Yeah. And all you can do is like kite them over. I had to kite them over with uh, like throwing knives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's just and it, if you have to do it more than once, it just takes forever. Yeah. Because uh, and it's also the, their mechanic, their health draining thing is such a even if you kill them, they're going to you're going to end up having to use Estes even if they never hit you. Yeah, because they they drain your maximum health down. So like I ended up, it just ended up being a huge Estes tax moving through there. Yep, the so. I think everybody's least favorite enemy in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those those things. I mean, man, I mean, I like them better than the Winter Lanterns in Bloodborne. The uh, the frenzy. Oh yes, yes, Monsters, I do like yeah. them more than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it is slightly better. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. slightly better than that, but like, boy, are they? Is that a a rough area? Yeah, it's good that so. they're kind of confined to that place. Yeah. yeah. And what a surprise the first time you run into one of those and you're like, <laughs> <What's happening? "Fuck." laughs> okay, guys, well, I'm going to go. Thanks right. for having me. Yep. This will be up yeah, on Sunday. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll promote yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Okay. Man. Later, guys. It. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.